like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. You already know what it is. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, my partner in crime in this fantasy game, Alex Lott, who just took a fatty L. Man, you boy. had to bring it up first thing, huh? <laughs> We're going dagger straight to the heart to start off this episode. I'm sorry I had to take you down, Alex. I'm not sure there's much you could have done in that matchup. I, 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 everything was going my way. Yeah, started the playoffs with a big L to Steph in our big home league. So that one definitely hurts, but I got to give you props. You streamed a great lineup. You had Richard Higgins in there, Dobbins, even Miles Sanders, who we had some questions about last week. You ended up plugging him in, whether you know you wanted to or not, you did, and he got you, you know, a really solid performance. And on my side, I was dealing with some some issues. You know, Julio was out amongst some other things. So congratulations on the win there. Time to shift all my focus to, you know, our dynasty league where I made it to the semifinals. And I'm guessing if you're listening to this right now, you are still alive, one step closer to that championship, two more games to go in most, you know, standard format leagues, week 15 semifinal, week 16 championship. So let's get out there, get these dubs and bring home those titles. It's another loaded slate, and I love the end of the season because we start to get some Saturday games. The two games on Saturday are the Broncos and Bills and the Packers and Lions. So keep an eye out for those. Make sure your lineups are set, but it's going to be fun. Highest over-under game hitting us right away. Thursday night, Chargers, Raiders, really hyped for that one. And then we got 12 games on Sunday. We got a Monday night football game. We got two games on Saturday. So it's going to be a fun week of football. And some high-profile matchups, Chiefs versus the Saints. I'm looking forward to Philadelphia against Arizona, seeing Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray hopefully yeah. go back and forth. See some fun action there. And then a lot of question mark teams like the New York Giants, even the Browns, they play each other. Both their teams on the bubble. I think there's going to be some, some really intense matchups between these on-the-bubble teams that need to win today. A lot of playoff implications for them, I think. It's going to lead to a lot of fun, fantasy and beyond. But let's jump into our first topic of today's episode, our Week 15 preview, Week 14 recap. It's crazy. The season's already almost over. And one of the biggest takeaways from this season for this year and beyond for draft strategy, but even for start-sit decisions this week, the rookie running back. This has been a case study for the rookie running back in 2020 we had a loaded class a lot of high profile names and more than likely you know if you're in a championship or a semi-final matchup you're gonna have some of these names on your team right Jonathan Taylor Cam Akers J.K. Dobbins DeAndre Swift even Clyde Edwards Alaire James Robinson there's some deeper names in there too but those are really the the main ones and this is why on draft day we were saying to, to smash all of these rookie running backs at their ADP, even some names like Keyshawn Vaughn, who didn't pan out, Zach Moss, who's been pretty disappointing season long, especially relative to where you, you, you drafted him. Maybe not because you got him late. But for all these guys, this is why we tell you to draft them. They have the ability to take over all of the offensive production on their respective teams. And we look at their profile. You want running backs, workhorse running backs that can be effective in all facets of the game, through the air, on the ground, red zone, do it all for their team. And the profile is typically right at or under six foot, over 200 pounds, 
4-5-40-yard dash or faster, good college production, proven in the passing game. Get those guys any sort of snap share, and they're going to produce in fantasy. And those are the running backs that we always love to invest in, right? The Saquon Barkleys of the world, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, and J.K. Dobbins all fit that profile to a T, and they all have great matchups this week. Jonathan Taylor has the Houston Texans, their 31st. Akers has the New York Jets, their 22nd against the running back position. Dobbins has Jacksonville, their 28th. And Swift has Tennessee, who's 27th. So wow. we're starting That's all these insane. guys this week, and hopefully they're <laughs> leading us insane. all to the promised land. Uh, but Alex, what's what's one of the you know biggest takeaways from you from this, this rookie class? Because these guys are painting out. I think 2021 is going to be really fun. Yeah, first of all, I mean, this class is historic. And you look at all the contributors at the running back position, all as rookies. It's unbelievable. You said the names. I mean, JT Akers, Dobbin Swift, CEH, James Robinson, even Zach Moss, Keyshawn Vaughn getting involved a little bit here and there. And it's, you know, I think this is a big takeaway for me here at the end of the season. This is why you play fantasy, even if you've been eliminated through the whole season, because you can learn something. You see what's going on with some of these guys. You figure out which players are emerging late and you just get reminders for the next season because this is such a reminder to just remember that running backs typically always break out in the second half of the year, unless you're a Zeke, a top five pick, unless you're a Saquon, and you're getting that bell cow work from day one, it takes you time to ramp up. We saw it from Miles Sanders last season as a rookie. We saw it from Devin Singletary last year as a rookie. It happens time and time again, and this class is no different. All these names, I mean, CEH was a little bit of a special case with the hype he had going into the season. But you look at DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and even Jonathan Taylor a few weeks ago, these were all by lows. Cam Akers was picked up on waivers in a lot of places. Same for Dobbins. DeAndre Swift was getting, you know, five touches a game. And Jonathan Taylor, people started to say he was looking like Trent Richardson, and they were trying to get out of the Jonathan Taylor business. So this is such a reminder. If you're going to draft rookie running backs, you have to draft a team that can get you through the first eight to ten weeks of the season and hold those rookies on your bench knowing they have potential to explode in the back half. And if you don't draft the rookies, it's a chance to buy low throughout the year. If, if you know managers are giving up on certain rookies thinking, oh, this guy sucks, this guy's trash, that's the perfect time to buy low and say, hey, I'll take them off your hands or even pick them up off waivers and stash them as high upside guys because – if you're starting, you know, those four names you just mentioned, JT against Houston, Akers against the Jets, Dobbins against Jacksonville, Swift against Tennessee, any combination of those four, and you're feeling so, so good this week, they're all top 20 plays to me. Um, and if you were able to hold on for dear life with some of these rookies or buy them low, you're probably really, really happy as you're heading into your semifinal matchup um, with some great projections and great expectations on the board. So we talked about the four studs, right? The guys who fit the profile to a T, they have smash matchups. Not really much for us to debate there or talk about. I think it'd be a pretty vanilla take from both of us. You're starting them this week. Must start for all exactly. four. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about a couple of the other guys here. Clyde edwards He's been disappointing since Le'Veon Bell's joined the team. We've talked about that snap share and the role that they're playing with each other. It really hasn't been something where Le'Veon Bell's coming in and taking over the position. It's just that the Chiefs aren't running the ball that much because they have Patrick Mahomes. And Clyde edwards did not fit the profile of these bell cow dominant running backs like the Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley's. He's a little bit on the slower side from a, just a 40-yard dash perspective. Uh, he did over-index, though, in the college receiving production category. 
And he's on the Kansas City Chiefs. So that makes him fantasy viable. But are you starting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus the New Orleans Saints this week? Top running defense in the NFL. I am. I know the matchup's a little scary, but CEH is one of these volume plays that you have to start each and every week. I mean, last week, 16 carries for 32 yards against Miami. Not efficient at all, but he saved his day with receiving work. Five catches for 59 yards on six targets. And even in this tough matchup, it's the Chiefs offense. We know they're going to have red zone opportunities, scoring opportunities. And for a running back that's coming off a game where he's getting 16 carries and six targets, you can't sit him on your bench, even if he wasn't efficient. We've seen CEH get a lot of work all year long, other than that one mystery game when he was sick and didn't play a single snap. So to me, Le'Veon Bell has come in and kind of taken more of that Daryl Williams role. You're going to need a break every now and then. CEH isn't going to play 100% of snaps. No one is quite, you know, the Christian McCaffrey um, in their backfield, no matter how good you are. So I think CEH is definitely uh, an RB2 this week. You have to temper your expectations with him as always. But with the volume he's getting, with the touchdown upside, he's someone you can roll with confidence. Now, I will say I'd rather start Swift, Dobbins, Akers, or JT, but I think CEH is a start as well. Yeah, to put him in the the mid to low end RB2 category as far as this week goes, but he is a guy, and we've talked about it, when he was in a really rough downstretch when Lev Bell initially joined the team those first three weeks, we said, unfortunately you have to start this guy every single week for the upside that he presents he's getting some of the highest value touches for any running back in the nfl and he's going to have those opportunities to punch it in catch touchdowns through the air whatever it may be let's let's hit on the the last two guys here kind of the forgotten names the underperformers in this class at least relative to you know their adp around draft day Keyshawn vaughn he actually fits the athletic profile really really well just from a measurable standpoint. And he might actually end up getting some playing time this week. Ronald Jones was going to be out anyways with a, a pinky surgery. He has a fractured pinky in his hand. And now on the COVID list. And now he's on the COVID list. Leonard Fournette was a healthy scratch last week. I think you're a madman if you plug Keyshawn Vaughn into your fantasy lineup in the in the playoffs. But he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. I think he could be really interesting in 2021. He's a buy low uh, in any dynasty format. Yeah, I agree. Don't plug in Keyshawn Vaughn. Don't get cute. Honestly, now that Rojo's out, people are also going to be saying, oh, plug in Leonard Fournette. He's going to have a huge day. I do think Leonard Fournette will be activated and likely be the lead back in this game because they're still not clinched for the playoffs. They need someone they can trust back there. But I also think you're crazy if you're willing to start Leonard Fournette right now. So stay away from Tampa Bay running backs this week. To me, it's like, don't fall into the trap. Could one of them score a touchdown? Yes. I'm not banking on it. I'm not counting on it. And I don't know who it's going to be. So with Rojo likely being out, looks like he's going to be out. I'm staying away from these Bucks running backs, but you're right. I think Fournette will be gone from there next year. McCoy as well. It could be Rojo and Keyshawn Vaughn in a really interesting one-two split, similar to a split that we see in Buffalo with guys like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, which kind of brings me to Zach Moss. Steph, he's been hit or miss this year. He's had a couple of pop games, but for the most part, he's been disappointing after he fumbled a couple weeks ago and got benched, he came back last week with 13 carries and a target in a desperate situation. Are you willing to start him this week versus Denver? To me, I think there are better options. You could probably stream at the running back position unless you're in a really deep league. Um, but for someone that's getting touches, I think he's probably an RB4 consideration for me or just banking on a touchdown and 10 to 12 points. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I would look at other options. Even Devin Singletary, I may consider over Zach Moss, just how things yeah, have gone recently. Um, you know, talk about guys like Chase Edmonds, Damian Harris, 
Todd Gurley, Latavius Murray, you know, some of the deeper names you'd find in the Zach Moss category. I would put all those guys over Moss. And he's just really, situation-wise, he's being held back. He's going to have to do something crazy from an efficiency standpoint to be able to produce fantasy-wise for your team. So I'm not going to plug him in there. His profile, he's a little bit on the slower side. He does have incredible college production that can, can kind of make up for some of that. But not a guy that I want to invest too heavily in in Dynasty and certainly not starting right now. I agree with you, Steph. So let's move over to a team that, just like we all predicted here in 2020, would roll into week 15 with fantasy options left, right, and center. It's the Chicago Bears. We we see Mitch Trubisky, David Montgomery, Allen Robinson, and some of the other pieces as well providing fantasy value. I want to break down the Chicago Bears team. You know, Steph, it's a team we always like to joke on and say they're inefficient. We like to say that Trubisky sucks. We like to say all sorts of things. But if you look at the numbers, it's a team that's trending in the right direction, especially from a fantasy football perspective. We'll start out with the easy one. It's Allen Robinson. He's a must-start option every single week. Wide receiver seven on the season in full PPR formats. He only has one game with less than 10 PPR points in five games above 20 PPR points. So a high floor, high ceiling. If you have Allen Robinson, you're plugging him in your lineup. But Steph, let's talk about David Montgomery next. To me, he's a must-start option at the running back position. He's getting the volume. He's getting the receiving work. And he's finally showing some big playability. What do you think about David Montgomery? You're starting him no matter what this week. Is that correct? Do you agree with me there? 100% I agree. You look at the production, over 20 fantasy points, really 25 fantasy points or more over the last three weeks since that bye week with Tariq Cohen being out of the lineup. We've see, seen David Montgomery be utilized in all facets of the game. One of the biggest knocks on him was his skill set in the receiving game. We were hoping to see that this year if we were going to bump him up from a fantasy value perspective, and we are seeing that. And then you add in a guy that, you know, about midseason, we said, look out for David Montgomery. He has a very soft schedule the rest of the way. Smash matchups. Green Bay, they're one of the worst teams against the run. Just played Detroit and Houston, two of the other worst teams against the run. Literally, they're 32nd and 31st. Now is Minnesota, Jacksonville, and Green Bay. So great matchups the rest of the way as well. He's a guy that you're plugging every single week, and I would call him an RB1 this week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, last year we were so bothered by the, the inefficiency. There was a lot of hype around the workload he would get, but we saw 3.7 yards per carry. This year he's taken that 3.7 up to 4.5 yards per carry. And he's seeing 14 carries and four and a half targets a game this season with Cohen going out. He's clearly shifted into that receiving work and he's done pretty well with it. We saw the big playability last week, finally broke off a long run in the NFL. So he's he's literally everything we wanted him to be going in. So let's capitalize on it while we have this version of David Montgomery, because I don't know that it's going to last into 2021 with changes likely coming for the Bears, Tariq Cohen coming back from an injury. And, you know, if I would have told you David Montgomery in week 15 would be averaging more points per game than Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott, or Kareem Hunt, you probably would have thought I was crazy. And here we are. So he's a must-start guy. Don't be scared off of any predispositions you had from David Montgomery. And the last guy I want to talk about, Steph, is Mitch Trubisky. I know the Bears have some other options. Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, even Komet and Jimmy Graham. Those We'll save those for deeper leagues. If you're in a pinch, maybe you have to start Komet at your tight end slot, hoping for a touchdown. You're probably avoiding the other guys, probably, to your point, trying to avoid Cole Komet if possible as well. But Mitch Trubisky, we will talk about him a little bit later in the show. 
uh, as a little Ooh. bit of a preview here. But I think you can start him this week against Minnesota in his five full games he's played this season, averaging 19.7 fantasy points per game. That would be QB 12 in terms of points per game this season. My wife is in a pinch. She's been rolling out Taysom Hill, and she's in her semifinal matchup. She's got Mitch Trubisky locked into that QB spot right now. So, you know, I think he's a sneaky start this week. Uh, We'll talk about him a little later in the show. But, Steph, real quick, do you agree with me? Mitch Trubisky, is he someone you can trust in your fantasy football semifinals? It's kind of a big deal. Are you going to live or die by Trubisky this week? I'm looking at other options. It it doesn't feel good. He's a a stream guy (laughs) to me. I'm I'm not as hype on him as as you I mean, are. I think the Vikings have been better than most think on the defensive side of the ball. Granted, they have you know kind of sputtered out at times, but when I look at other names that are on a lot of waiver wires, you know I look at Jalen Hurts. Give me him over Trubisky. Give me Jared Goff against the Jets. Tom Brady against Atlanta. There's other guys with some big matchups <laughs> granted a lot of those guys on our waiver wires let me look at some deeper names here i mean i mean think about this one steph matt ryan against tampa bay with potentially new, no julio or mitch trubisky i'm going oh, mitch Tr- trubisky there yeah i am going trubisky there and I, and I would take trubisky over the likes of cam newton baker mayfield yeah. certainly guys like drew Locke and garner Minshew. i'm putting the, them over him and I, i'm not starting matt stafford this week just coming off that injury i have some concerns right. there so trubisky's a, a fine streamer let me ask you this, because this is right where I, I think I have Trubisky this week. Ben Roethlisberger versus Cincinnati or Trubisky versus Minnesota? Man, Steelers have been so inefficient with the run. I think they're going to have to throw it against Cincinnati. I, I'd i go big bit in there, but it's close. It's closer than you think. Trubisky gives you a rushing baseline as well. Gives you a little bit of upside there. So that's probably where I draw the line is right at that big bin level. I still would go with Roethlisberger, but um, I, I think I would tr- take Trubisky over a lot of these other names that you've thrown out there. I'd Take him over Matt Ryan. Like I said, I I would take Jared Goff over Trubisky. But in a week where we're looking at Daniel Jones is going to be banged up. You already talked about Matt Stafford is going to be banged up. You know, Jimmy G is obviously out with injury. Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, we don't really know who the starter is going to be. If Taysom's there, I guess you could play him. But I'd still probably rather have Trubisky. So there's a lot of quarterback situations in the league that are up in the air. You look at Washington as well with Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, the backup playing. So there's just all sorts of issues for some of these teams at the quarterback position. The The position feels a little bit more limited right now than it typically is, especially with this COVID year. More teams are rostering two. In some leagues, I've even see, seen three quarterbacks. So the waiver wire options might be limited. If Trubisky's out there, I think he might be the best option you get. I don't think you're going to have the luxury to stream some of these guys. So He's someone you can play. Obviously, you, you have to be bold. You have to be willing to take a little bit of that that risk with Trubisky. He's more Trubisky this week um, <laughs> lately. So uh, I think it's boomer bust. Win or go home, I'm willing to throw him out there. Uh, and, you know, if, if he, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So if he doesn't pan out this week, it's probably going to be the last we see Trubisky in any kind of fantasy football relevancy. But, Steph, let's go ahead and move on to start set Pittsburgh Steelers edition. We just hit on the Bears. You brought up Ben Roethlisberger as a start this week. The Steelers do play Cincinnati here in week 15. Let's walk through some of these options for Pittsburgh, starting with Big Ben. What are you doing with him this week? I'm definitely tempering expectations compared to where he has been performing. I'd have him as a mid-range QB2 this week, so not a guy I'm super high on. We'd probably have him in the streamer category. Uh, I put him right there neck and neck with Mitch Trubisky, which is why I brought him up when we were comparing him, because 
Big Ben's efficiency has really dropped off a cliff. The run game hasn't been able to get going, which has caused the Steelers to need Big Ben to pass more, but it's not turning into anything crazy. His his average at the target, target is extremely low, one of the lowest he's had in his career, but he's still throwing the ball a ton, which is where the appeal will come from. Then you add in the Cincinnati matchup. Steelers should win this one pretty handily. They've lost two straight after going undefeated up until then so far this season. So I'm expecting a big bounce back game divisional matchup they're not going to lose to the Bengals so with that being said I think they're going to put up points Big Ben's going to do it it's just part of the reason why we weren't you know huge on him on draft days because we know the Steelers defense is going to be able to to put up points and stifle the opposing offenses which stops Big Ben from getting in some shootout game scripts you know if Joe Burrow was healthy and active for the Bengals maybe we're looking at this one as okay this is going to be a a high upside high flying game we're going to see some points scored here but the way that team is going I don't want to start Big Ben in this matchup unless I absolutely have to. Guys I'm willing to start over Big Ben this week would be our boy Mitch Trubisky. I might even look wow. at you know Jalen Hurts, Phillip Rivers, maybe Derek Carr against the Chargers, high over under in that game. Definitely Jared Goff against the Jets, Ryan Tannehill against Detroit. And we'll talk about Taysom Hill a little bit later, but those are all names that I would throw over Big Ben this week. How are you feeling? Yeah, that's interesting because I just hyped up Mitch Trubisky and I still said I'd probably start Ben over him, but that's where I draw the line. I think Big Ben's a little bit safer this week. You look at what they did against Cincinnati in Week 10. They dominated 36-10. to 10. Yes, Joe Burrow was active, but they couldn't get anything going on the ground, so they just kept throwing the ball against the Bengals. And in a blowout game, Big Ben threw the ball through the whole game, ended up as the QB3 on the week, 29 fantasy points. So I think the upside is there this week. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's more of a safe play. I think he's a lock for 15 to 20 points here in week 15 so if you need safety and you just need a baseline if you have a dominant team and quarterbacks a question mark you just can't have someone completely suck like Trubisky's range of outcomes is literally zero to 35 points (laughs) I'd say Big Ben's is a little bit tighter than that so if you just can't get like a total dud at the quarterback position Big Ben's someone you can lock in but if you do need to risk your option some of these names you threw out Jalen Hurts Taysom Hill Mitch Trubisky I think are definitely in play let's move on to the running back position I mean James Conner Benny Snell, Yikes. Anthony McFarland, Jalen Samuels. I know James Conner's a big name, but I there's no chance I'd start him this week. To me, he feels like Todd Gurley last week. We said we're not touching Todd Gurley with a 10-foot pole. If you plug him in, it's a trap, and he's going to totally blow you up. And we happen to hit on that take. I think that's James Conner here in a game against Cincinnati that feels like a total trap. He's been bad. They've used a rotation of running backs. No way I can start James Conner this week. I'd rather start... Jeff Wilson, who I know we've talked a lot about, and we'll talk about him in our start sets. I'd rather start J.D. McKissick in a PPR league. So I'm benching James Conner, if at all possible. Do you agree with me there? I am. I am. Now, if he doesn't start, you know, are you looking at guys who have been disappointing? No. It Just the matchup against Cincinnati makes it so appealing where, you know, if I was relying on James Conner, I think I would be willing to put in Benny Snell, I probably wasn't relying on Connor to carry me to a championship, but I just need a guy who can be a startable RB2. It's bad, can be good dude. for 10-plus points, I mean, but you're right. These guys are bad. They're inefficient. They're not getting it done. Look at the last game against Cincinnati, too. I mean, the matchup's good, but James Connor was active for that game. 13 carries, 36 yards. Snell, 3 carries for 12 yards. I mean, the Steelers as a whole had 2.2 yards per carry against the Bengals in Week 10. So I don't care who it is. We saw Snell look absolutely atrocious a couple weeks ago. Got stuffed on the goal line like four times in a row a couple weeks ago against the Washington football team when they got upset in that Monday night game. So I'm avoiding this Pittsburgh backfield at all costs. I think there could be some value 
in the receiver group um, with the pass catchers. But yeah, sign me up for any running back other than a Pittsburgh Steeler. Assuming James Conner was at full health, where would we have him, right? Like 18 to, to 24 on the week. I think Snell is even a downgrade from that. So no, these aren't really guys that you want to start. Not even desperation flexes. Give me an upside name like a Michael Pittman or even Chase Claypool on his own team if we're talking about the Steelers as guys that I would rather put in a flex spot over James Conner. He's just not getting it done. It, it hurts to see because he's such an inspiring story, but not a guy that I'm in on. And we saw a lot of people earlier in the year taking hard victory laps over drafting James Conner in the third round. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always been a guy who just saw what he did that year when Big Ben threw the ball 700 times, literally set the record for most pass attempts and said, there's no way that that pass volume is going to be there. And on top of that, he's been injury prone. So just been a guy that I've been fading. You've been fading. We liked him at some of his his values, you know, at, throughout the summer before draft season, where he was kind of, of getting depressed value-wise and then was coming back up. But let's talk about the receivers here. We know we're starting Juju Smith-Schuster. He's been quietly producing at a consistent level, sitting at the wide receiver 19 on the year. And that's that's about, you know, where we would expect him to be at this point that's where I would expect him to be on the week just a solid wide receiver too not gonna go off for 35 points or anything like that he's not gonna take over the game Devonte Adams style but he can be serviceable he's gonna see the highest amount of targets um, and if he scores a touchdown which he has been hot with those as of late um, you know that'll just add to what he's able to do again going back to like the over under and, and the Steelers winning this game Juju's gonna benefit from that because Deontay Johnson the guy we need to spend a little bit more time talking about oh my um, gosh. Has, has been disappointing. Both the Steelers fans, fantasy Deontay managers. Dropson. <laughs> Deontay Dropson. Wow. I mean, that that's really his story at this point. Is dominant when he's healthy out there on the field, but had four drops early in the game. I'm sorry, three drops. Three crucial drops on third down, high leverage situations against Buffalo in week 14. Ended up only playing 47% of snaps in that game. Was pulled off the field because the team just couldn't trust him. This is the NFL. If you're not getting it done in the NFL, if you can't not catch a pass, then your value as a wide receiver is pretty much nothing because they can't move the ball. They're burning downs. They're going to take you out of the game. (laughs) That just kind of is what it is no matter how much the team likes you and how much you've done. I'm hopeful for Deontay Johnson. I think this week he's a fine start. I would expect him to be in that wide receiver one range. But you know the floor is lower than most wide receiver ones because if he struggles with the drops again, the team's more likely to take him out because they've already seen it before. Could also be a situation where, you know, if he fumbles, if he makes one mistake, uh, it's a high likelihood that he's going to disappoint you from a fantasy perspective. How are you feeling about DJ? Yeah, I mean, this one's tough. Deontay Johnson, when healthy, was absolutely crushing it for your fantasy team. But you got to remember, Deontay Johnson, I mean, this was like, the breakout year for him this is the year he was rising up drafts draft board to is that mid-round pick it's not like this is a proven guy who's done it time and time again and is just struggling so i mean he leads the league in drops he's you know this is as close as you can get it seems to having the yips as a wide receiver he just can't catch the ball and he's in his own head and it's making it worse we saw what happened last week and he dropped the pass early doesn't come in for quite some time and the problem with with uh, deontay johnson is the steelers are so talented at the wide receiver position they have Juju, they have Claypool. James Washington can play that outside receiver spot as well. We saw James Washington come in. He scored touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. So I'm not dropping Deontay Johnson, but 
I'd rather not start him this week. If he comes out, like you said, if he makes an early mistake, it could be the last we see of Deontay Johnson for the game. And what's even more concerning about the snap share last week is going into that week, Mike Tomlin comes out and says, you know, hey, I know we've struggled with drops. If you can't catch the ball, we're going to get guys on the field that do. And Mike Tomlin's one of the most no-nonsense coaches in the NFL. We saw Deontay Johnson come out and drop a pass, and Mike Tomlin backed up his word. He got him right off the field um, and let him think about about that drop for quite some time. So I believe Mike Tomlin when he says, if you're not going to catch a pass, you're going to come off the field no matter who you are. And that clearly applied to Deontay Johnson last week. So I'm trying to avoid there. I'm with you. I'm starting Juju. I think Claypool is kind of one of those boomer bust flex type options. He's, you know, a big play guy, one big play, and he could make or break your week. So if you need the upside, I'm willing to roll out Claypool, but I would definitely temper expectations after what we've seen from him over the past few weeks. And I think Eric Ebron with how, you know, thin the tight end spot is, I know he struggled with drops as well. But he's a must-start at this point. The volume is better than we're seeing from most other players at the tight end spot. Targets for Ebron, let's just count backwards. Five last week. Before that, 11, 11, 7, 6, 6, 5, 8, 4, 6, 7. So all season, Eric Ebron's been getting targets in a good offense. I think he's a must-start at the tight end spot. Absolutely. Yeah, he's right at like the tight end. He's sitting at tight end nine on the season. I'd have him right above there in terms of where does he stack up this week because, yeah. you know, Kittle's out and, and some of those other studs have some tough matchups. So he's right there. Uh, he's definitely a guy you got got to plug in. Last thing I'll say on the Steelers team, uh, I think just the way that I play fantasy, I am plugging in Deontay Johnson this week. Unless I have some wow. stud wide receivers. Like if I, I'm looking at, you know, my roster and I have Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, even like Mike Evans – all of those type of names, I'm, uh, yeah, sure that I'll bench Deontay Johnson, but more than likely you don't. If you're in a 12-team league, 14-team league, you're not going to have a ton of depth there. I think you'd have to. Deontay Johnson is kind of like one of these guys like Julio Jones. I know that's a big comparison to make, but I say that to say, look, if they start, you play them no matter what because they can do some really crazy things. Deontay Johnson or T.Y. Hilton against Houston this week? I'll go Deontay there. Wow. I'll take T.Y. I know T.Y.'s been hot, but... I can't trust We'll it. talk about him later. Interesting. All right. All right. Well, let's move over here. Let's talk about a team other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. How about them Cowboys? Because we're going to talk Ezekiel Elliott. He's been really disappointing over the last couple of weeks. We know you had to spend tremendous draft capital on him to get him on your fantasy team. Is there a world where you would imagine benching Ezekiel Elliott in week 15, just based on the disappointing outings that he's had in back-to-back weeks. No, I mean, he's been disappointing. But when you look at Ezekiel Elliott, man, it, it is pretty brutal now that I'm here looking, really digging into these numbers. But you got to start him. He's getting volume. We know he's talented. Andy Dalton's got this offense moving. Okay, I know the matchup is tough against San Francisco, but I just can't imagine a world where you're benching Zeke. But it... it Look, this is all dependent on who your options are. Like, I'm not someone who's been starting Zeke and I say, okay, I survived the first round of the playoffs. I got here. I just have to bench Zeke for whoever my next best best option is, no matter who it is. I'm not doing that. But if I have, you know, a couple really good options, I'm like, dang, I got this Cam Akers guy who's coming on pretty hot right now, back-to-back weeks of good production. He's getting the carries. He's playing the Jets. If you have someone like that that's emerging, I'm willing to start him over Zeke. Like, Cam Akers is a perfect example if you've been stashing him throughout the season, if you picked him up on waivers and you're looking at that RB2 spot, maybe you have a stud at the RB1 spot. 
I'm willing to play Cam Akers over Zeke this week. So again, I, I'm probably just rolling Zeke out there if I can, because we know the volumes there, we know the talents there. But if you have other really good options, I'm willing to pivot if, if it makes sense and if the matchups and the volume make sense for, for your pivot option. Yeah, if Zeke is like a luxury option, like he's your third running back that you could start at the beginning of the year, then so be it. You can set him. Um, maybe you consider flexing him just based on what those other options are. This is really, you know, de- dependent on roster, but Zeke sitting at the current RB9 in PPR leagues, he disappointed in a smash matchup against Cincinnati last week. They're 18th against the running back position. And he's only had one game with more than 15 fantasy points since week five which is just really scary to think about. It's crazy how much early production he had when Dak was healthy and on the field, keeping that offense moving. And now he takes on San Francisco. They're fifth against the running back position. Obviously, we're tempering expectations. He's an RB2 at worst, uh, which I think is startable in most leagues. Let's play a game here real quick. Let's let's compare Zeke against some other players. Clyde Edwards-Alaire against New Orleans or Zeke versus San Francisco? Oh, man, that's tough. I'll go CEH. I'm in the same boat. What about Miles Sanders against Arizona? They're 12th against the running back position or Zeke against San Francisco. I think I'll go Zeke there. Ah, man, that one's tough. Actually, no, I'll, I'll go Miles Sanders. I think the game last week, I know he broke the big run and that inflated his overall stat line, but the offense did look much better with Jalen Hurts. I think he'll be able to move the ball a little bit. So I'll stick it out and go Sanders. And then last one, Kenyon Drake or Zeke Elliott? Man, that one, this one doesn't feel great because Kenyon Drake hasn't been really involved in the receiving game at all. But he's on such a touchdown hot streak. I got to go with Kenyon Drake. The Cardinals offense is humming. They're getting opportunities inside the five consistently. And Kenyon Drake is their guy there. I know earlier in the season, it was these Kyler Murray runs. Lately, it's been Kenyon Drake. He scored five touchdowns in his last four games. I think he gets in again this week against, uh, they're actually playing the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think, I think Drake gets in. I think I'm going to give Zeke a pass. I'm with you on all of those options. I would take those guys over Zeke. Just kind of wanted to demonstrate where his value is for a lot of fantasy players. But he was coming into that game against Cincinnati. Questionable. The Cowboys got a massive lead early. Took their foot off the gas. Zeke actually played a season low 60% of snaps last week. And at this point, he's a pure volume play. And he's banged it's up. pretty interesting. If you, look, if, if you look at his performance this year, you look at his, his stats across the season – 3.9 yards per carry, breakaway run rate is 1.4%, which is outside of the top 50. But here's the thing with Zeke. He's in the top five in rushing attempts and targets at the running back position this season. So if you liked players like 2019 Leonard Fournette or 2019 David Montgomery, these high volume, low explosiveness running backs, that's 2020 Ezekiel Elliott at this point since Zach, Dak has been out. But I think that's enough on Ezekiel Elliott. Let's talk about some other running backs in our running back start sits. For week 15, it's playoff time. Here are some guys on the bubble we need to talk about. The first one, and this is contingent on some injuries, but Jeff Wilson against the Dallas Cowboys or 26 against the run. Assuming no Raheem Mostert, where are you valuing Jeff Wilson this week in an incredible matchup? Yeah, Steph, I know we were talk, talking about him earlier this week because you might have to roll him out in your, in our semifinal matchup, you know, in, in the league that you just beat me in. And I was kind of fading Jeff Wilson, but the more I've thought about it, the more I've looked into it. If Raheem Mostert is out, I am willing to start Jeff Wilson against the Cowboys. Now, again, 
it depends on what your options are. Like I know you've got Miles Sanders, you've got J.K. Dobbins, you've got you know David Johnson. So over those guys, I think I'd still keep Jeff Wilson on, on the bench. I, I would take those options over Wilson, um, especially Miles Sanders and J.K. Dobbins this week. But if you're one of these teams in a pinch, if you had Rojo and you know he fractures his pinky and is on the COVID list, or you are still waiting on McCaffrey to come back, or you know any of these running back situations, James Conner, any of these volatile situations, I think Jeff Wilson can be plugged in as your RB2, and he could have a really good week. I mean, you look back at the upside as well. I know we were talking so much about upside. Jeff Wilson against the Patriots this season, 112 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. We know San Francisco loves to run the ball. We know they're going to with now Debo Samuel banged up again and Nick Mullins in at quarterback. So I think Jeff Wilson is a start. I think he is a top 24 play this week. It just depends on what other kind of options you have. I think against Dallas, he could have a really good game. And that formula of no Mostert, you know, McKinnon's not involved anymore. Coleman is irrelevant anyway, but he's banged up. So I think Jeff Wilson is a good play this week. I have him as a high-end RP2, assuming Mostert's out. And and Mostert did miss practice on Wednesday when we're recording. So I think I'm going to be firing up Jeff Wilson in a lot of spots. Who knew at the start of the season that this guy would be winning people playoff matchups. Let's talk about J.D. McKissick, who's in another great matchup. No Antonio Gibson, and he's playing the Seattle Seahawks. They're 21st against the running back position. Their defense has been stepping it up a little bit lately. I think that's just some regression that we would expect with how bad their defense was to start the year. But for J.D. McKissick, you know, is he kind of what he has been, which is this, you know, high value in PPR league type of running back that you can plug in where you need to? Yeah, 100%. If you need 10 to 15 points out of your RB2 or flex spot in a PPR league, you go J.D. McKissick. If he gets into the end zone, you get above 20 because, you know, with Antonio Gibson out, he's super valuable in PPR. I mean, last week was like a worst-case scenario. They The offense was terrible. They weren't moving the ball at all against San Francisco. Alex Smith goes out. Dwayne Haskins comes in. Somehow, J.D. McKissick still ends up with over 10 PPR fantasy points. So the floor is super high with Antonio Gibson out of the lineup. Um, and I think, you know, if you need a safe floor play, J.D. McKissick is a great option in Seattle, especially in a game where I do expect Washington to be trailing. Last week was even more of a bad game script for J.D. McKissick because they were winning that game against San Francisco, making plays with their defense against Seattle. I think we all expect him to trail. I think we could see 10 targets coming McKissick's way, especially if Alex Smith is the quarterback. So he's a super safe floor play um, with some upside if he gets into the end zone as well. The only other thing about J.D. McKissick is that, you know, he's not one of these bell cow backs. They're not going to use him in all facets of the game. He's not going to get 100% snap share under any scenario, nowhere close to it. I mean, his high uh, over the last, you know, two weeks is 73%, which is solid. You'll take that from a lot of running backs. But for a guy with J.D. McKissick's skill set, doesn't get you super excited. He's pretty much what he has been all season. Sitting at the RB25, so definitely a, a spot start plug in type of name there desperation flex let's talk about melvin gordon who's been coming on lately when the broncos offense has had drew lock back in the lineup kind of a pretty solid outing and he has buffalo this week they're middle of the pack they're 16th against the running back position are you willing to roll melgo out there a guy who's been super volatile has burned a lot of people in a fantasy playoff winner go home situation is it melgo or no <laughs> I, I would try to avoid Melvin Gordon this week. I mean, 
he is banged up. It looks like he's going to be good to go for Saturday, but he has has been a little bit banged up with an injury. I mean, only 46% of snaps last week, only 52% the week before. He has been a little bit hot lately, back-to-back double-digit performances, super volatile on the season. In a matchup against Buffalo, a team that, you know, you can move the ball on, I think he has a chance to get in the end zone, but um, you know, the guys we've already talked about, Jeff Wilson, JD McKissick, I think I'd take both of them over Melvin Gordon this week. I think Melvin Gordon is an RB2 this week. I think he's a low-end RB2, um, somewhere in that 22 to 24 range. You're kind of hoping for some receiving work, some volume, and, and just praying he gets in the end zone because that's really going to be the thing that makes his day. So I'm willing to start Gordon. But again, I, I think there's just so many other good options you could pivot to, especially with where the season is. You look at some of the options that are out there, and a lot of them have come on as of late that you could have gotten on the waiver wire. I mean, Cam Akers, who we've talked about a ton, Jeff Wilson, who you could have picked up this week, J.D. McKissick, who was a hot waiver wire ad a couple weeks ago. I think those are the kind of guys I'd be willing to play over Gordon because they have higher floors to me, um, and, and I think similar upside. So that's that's kind of my take on Gordon, willing to start him but trying to pivot if I can. Yeah, it sucks because with Philip Lindsay being out earlier in the year with injury, Melvin Gordon's value was a little bit inflated, and it took a while for us to kind of shake off some of that perception. And then the pendulum swung all the way uh, the other way where he was putting up, you know, three fantasy points on some of these weeks. I have him as a low-end RB2, a guy that you can plug in just for a safe, you know, 10-plus fantasy points. Don't expect, you know, 25-plus out of him. But the matchup is good enough, and he's getting the high-value touches. Last guy to talk about, kind of cut from the same cloth as a Melvin Gordon. Fantasy-wise these days, it's David Johnson who is coming back from COVID, uh, the COVID IR list after dealing with concussion and some other issues. Been a whole number of issues for, for DJ so far this year. You know I'm a huge fan of the guy, but he's against the Indianapolis Colts. They're 12th against the running back position. I have him as a high-end RB3 this week. Not a guy that I'm in love with starting, but certainly one that, you know, if you were relying on a lot of the other options, these these COVID or injury scenarios where you got to plug a guy in, I'm willing to plug David Johnson in. I'm just not expecting a boom game against a, a tough Colts run defense. Yeah, just to kind of put it into perspective, I mean, David Johnson has played nine games this season. His highest fantasy point outing in full PPR was 19 fantasy points. So the upside hasn't quite been there. The highest week one, right? Yeah. Week one in that game against Kansas city, the most fantasy points he has put up in a game where he hasn't scored a touchdown is 12. So, I mean, the upside is very, very low. You're hoping he gets into the end zone. If he doesn't score, you're probably looking at six to 12 fantasy points. If he does, you're looking at 10 to 18 and against a tough Colts defense. I'm not expecting much. He's coming back off of a variety of issues. I mean, the COVID list, I I, th- I don't think he had COVID um, from what I've seen, but coming off the concussion. Um, so, you know, I'm just not really interested this week. I mean, we saw him against Indy a couple weeks ago, 10 fantasy points. That was the, I believe the first game back off of the concussion and he just didn't look great. Didn't have a lot of, you know, juice or spark in his game. So in another matchup where they're actually in Indy this time, I'm not expecting much more from David Johnson in this matchup. So I'm trying to sit him if I can. Yeah, there's definitely been a cap on his value this year. Earlier in the season, it was kind of fun when I had a roster where I was loaded pretty much at every other position and could just kind of plug in DJ there as a high floor RB2, but that's certainly not what you want at this point. I think that floor is lower than it's ever been in games where he's been active and healthy before kickoff. But let's get into our wide receiver start sits for week 15. Again, win or go home scenarios. It's going to come down to the Y here in a lot of these these lineups 
coming down to the flex names. And these are a lot of guys that are probably in flex consideration for a lot of people. Let's go through four or five of these names. If you have other ones, guys, hit us up in the comments down below. The first one is Antonio Brown against the Atlanta Falcons. They're 31st against the wide receiver position. We love that Atlanta matchup every time we see it, regardless really of their position. Where do you have Antonio Brown this week? He's been a guy that's been seeing, you know, decent volume, consistent volume, even in his first game after not playing pro football for a year and a half. Didn't play a ton of snaps last week against Minnesota because they really didn't need to. Tom Brady didn't even throw the ball more than 25 times in that game. But against Atlanta, assuming no Julio, I'm worried about the game script. We could see a very low outing from Antonio Brown again. Think like seven or eight points. But I still think the upside is there because the matchup is so good. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. And this is actually good. I mean, I see the first two names on our list, AB, and the next name is going to be CeeDee Lamb. That's the flex matchup or the flex decision my wife has this week. And I know she'll probably at least ask for my input, whether she listens or not. So now I'll at least be able to formulate a good answer. But, you know, AB, I'm with you. I think the snaps last week were a little bit concerning and disappointing, only 50%, but he did get the five targets and caught all of them for 49 yards. So it didn't absolutely crush you. It was looking sketchy there early on. Um, You still haven't been really excited about AB in any of these games. Maybe the 13 target, eight catch for 57 yard game against the Rams. But from a fantasy perspective, still only 13.8 fantasy points. So surely he's got to get into the end zone one of these weeks, right? And I think against Atlanta, he's got as good a shot as any. I think the snaps last week, again, were probably part of of that game script um, against the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm willing to start AB this week. I think he is a strong wide receiver three option. Um, The floor is obviously low. We saw before the bye week only three points against Kansas City, um, and the ceiling hasn't been that high as well. But I think you can expect five or six targets, and Tom Brady to A, B, five or six targets, I think in your flex isn't going to kill you. So I'm willing to start him as a wide receiver three. You just kind of have to temper expectations with the upside. And the Atlanta matchup isn't what it used to be earlier in the year either. You said it, down Julio Jones. The defense has gotten a little better. The game scripts aren't quite the same, and the defense has has definitely tightened up. So Willing to start him, but not necessarily excited about it. They'd have him as like a low-end wide receiver three this week. Would definitely start him over CeeDee Lamb yep. just because of the upside that he presents. I, I don't think that upside really has changed yet. I could be late, you know, kind of predicting the market curve on AB's value, but I still feel like the same upside that yeah, you had in his range of outcomes when you picked him up off of waivers in week six, seven, or eight is still there today. Um, it's just a guy who's who's trying to get back into football shape. I mean, he looks good when he's out there. Tom Brady loves targeting him. He's been close to a couple of really big plays. Could see some of those in Atlanta. I think it'll be a fun divisional matchup. But let's talk about C.D. Lamb. I think we, we both said we would start Antonio Brown over C.D. He's really been nothing more than a high floor play. Think of like a Sterling Shepard where... You know, he'll have the 16-point fantasy game every every once in a while, but his baseline is more of that, you know, 7- to 12-point range. Is that what he is to you right now, just just a high-floor play if you just need a guy to plug yeah. in? Yeah, that's what he was, honestly, earlier in the year with, with Dak. He had, you know, the big two-touchdown game where he had 25 points and then the big 124-yard game, which I believe was the game that Dak actually went down with the injury. So, CD, I mean, he's, he's honestly similar to A.B. in a lot of ways. He's out there 50 to 70% of snaps. The targets are, you know, they fluctuate between 
five and eight targets a game, sometimes might creep up to the 10 mark, but not the, you know, the number one threat in the red zone either. So I think uh, it's tough with Andy Dalton in this offense. I don't want to say CD's touchdown upside is higher, but he has scored four touchdowns this season to AB zero. Now AB hasn't played as many games. So I feel like the touchdown upside is similar. The Bucks offense is obviously better, but the snaps and the targets are going to be about the same. So it's like, do you want, you know, five to eight, Andy Dalton targets against the 49ers, or do you want five to eight Tom Brady targets against the Falcons? And for me, that's where I would take someone like Antonio Brown. But to your point, if you know you're not deciding between those two specifically and you're looking at CeeDee Lamb, I think he's just, yeah, a high floor play. I think he's a low, low-end wide receiver three, maybe high-end wide receiver four, who who lacks some upside, but should be safe for eight to twelve points. I'm with you too. And in a lot of lineups, you can do a lot better than that if you're sitting in the in the fantasy championship or the playoffs. Yes. Let's talk about two receivers on the same team, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I'm out. <laughs> Both guys have been, you know, relatively high floor plays with no Joe Burrow. I know Tyler Boyd had that four-point outing, but are you willing to plug either of these guys in? I'm I'm probably looking the other way because they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I mean, they're playing the Steelers, and with whoever the quarterback is, whether it's going to be Ryan Finley or Brandon Allen, I know Brandon Allen's been a little bit been a little bit banged up, but you, you just can't trust them. I mean, since that injury to Joe Burrow, the volume has just absolutely fallen off of a cliff for these guys. I think, you know, best case scenario, you're probably looking at eight to 10 points. The touchdown upside is low in this struggling Cincinnati offense. You t- you say the matchup too is against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's just like, no, thank you. I'd honestly rather start guys off of waivers. I'd rather start T.Y. Hilton. I'd rather, you know, stream – this is a hot take. I'd rather stream Nelson Aguilar against the LA Chargers on Thursday Night wow. Football. I know, you know, by the time some people are listening to this when it releases, it might be too late to get him in your lineup. But those are the kind of guys I'd be looking at over Tyler Boyd or over T. Higgins in my flex, um, just because the upside's not there for those guys. So I'm fading them. I'm trying to put them on my bench. And my guess is you're going to have options at the wide receiver spot. Typically, it's a deeper position where you can find a streamer. So. I'm, I'm benching both of them, and it's a bummer because they were both so hot there with Joe Burrow for so long. I feel that way about T. Higgins. I still have a Tyler Boyd as a high floor play. I'm willing to put him in that. Uh, I would put him over C.D. Lamb. I would put him right below Antonio Brown, but he still is flexible in my opinion. Last one here, Kiki QT. For those who don't know, Houston Texans wide receiver who's been bumped up with Will Fuller out due to suspension. Brandon Cooks was banged up. Uh, missed last week. We'll see if he ends up playing. So really two kind of lenses we have to look at Kiki QT with, one with Brandon Cooks, one without. But in both scenarios, is Kiki QT a guy that you want to look at because he's had some boom games since he's been asked to produce and step up. He had that game week 13, same matchup against Indianapolis. Caught eight of nine targets for 141 yards. Had a touchdown last week against Chicago. Are you willing to roll QT out there as a high upside play? I am. If you absolutely need him in your flex. I am. If you're in one of those boom bust situations, you're not looking for floor. You know, you're the underdog team um, and you need points. I'm willing to start QT because I think he could be a sneaky 25 point guy if all goes his way. We looked at what happened against the Colts two weeks ago. He had the eight catches for 141 yards on nine targets, 22 fantasy points. Last week at the touchdown wasn't as involved from a volume perspective, but over the last two games, 75% of snaps, um, and the Colts offense is kind of humming right now, and the Houston defense hasn't been good either. So I do expect 
Houston to need to throw the ball to move the ball in this game, whether they're going to be able to do it or not against the Colts defense remains to be seen. But as a boomer bust play, if you need upside, I'm willing to start Kiki QT. I think he's a, a sneaky wide receiver three who could have a pretty big week and, and sneak into the top 15 if things go his way, if he gets that touchdown. You know, he's one of those guys that could be, you know, one play dependent. You know, he could be five catches for 50 yards, but then have the one 50-yard breakaway touchdown. It's just the kind of player he is. So if you're willing to roll the dice in your fantasy football playoffs, he's someone you can definitely start. Um, and he has a little bit of a floor as well, which which is pretty nice. Does that stay the same regardless of, of Cooks in or out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, two weeks... I, you look at last week and he had nine fantasy points, had the touchdown two weeks ago, had the nine targets for 141 yards, and that was with Cooks active against the Colts. So I think we've seen that, you know, Cooks might actually open up this offense a little more. Kiki QT has no business being a number one receiver, drawing the number one coverage. So Cooks might actually help him give Watson some options, help the Texans move the ball a little bit better. So I actually think Cooks helps Kiki QT um, in his outlook because look, if you're the one or the two, you're probably going to get the bulk of the snaps. It's when you're the wide receiver three or four where the injuries to guys in front of you really bump you onto the field more. So I, I think the Cooks injuries are relevant, and I might actually prefer that he's he's healthy. I'm with you. I'm with you. I thought that was going to be a super hot take, and you were going to be like, oh, plug in QT for sure if Cooks is out. But you're right. I, I want another guy there to compliment QT, let him do what he can in the slot, short and intermediate routes, and see if he can take one all the way to the house. So he's that upside name. But let's get into our starts of the week. It's a staple on this show every single week. We've been hitting on back-to-back weeks now, coming off some major wins at the quarterback, running back spot, even tight end. We had some streams in there that hit. As a reminder, guys, these are players that we expect to exceed expectations, whether that's a guy that you can pick off waivers right now and plug him in there for some upside Maybe a locked and loaded stud that we expect to boom when a lot of people wouldn't expect it. Or maybe a guy like Clyde Edwards Lair. I'm not going to add him to my start sits, but he's a guy coming off some disappointing outings. He has a tough matchup. But Alex, I'll pass it off to you first. Who is your quarterback start of the week in week 15? Let's get these championships. Yeah, man, I'm nervous even saying it, but at least I previewed it earlier. So the people are ready. It's It's Mitch. Trubisky against the Minnesota Vikings, or as I am calling him this week, Mitch Trubisky, because look, I think the upside is there for Mitch Trubisky, but you have to accept the fact that it's a risky play. This is an upside shot. This is if you're streaming and you need to take down a big team. I think Mitch Trubisky could return a big game. He's um, coming off of a hot streak here since he's taken back over for Foles. I mean, three weeks ago against Green Bay, his first game back, 20 fantasy points. Two weeks ago against Detroit, a little more disappointing, only 13, but still doesn't kill you with that 13. And then last week, 25 fantasy points against the Houston Texans. Minnesota, the matchup isn't quite as good as you'd think it is. They're 15th against the quarterback position this season, about 18 points per game to the quarterback position. But I think Mitch Trubisky is going to get it done this week against the Vikings. You look at what he's done over the course of his career, and historically he's been able to have these pop games because of his rushing baseline last week or last year excuse me he had a 33 point game several other games above 20 fantasy points Um, back in 2018 he had another explosion game where he threw for five touchdowns so yes Mitch Trubisky is a risky option he's up he's down he's hot he's cold but with Allen Robinson in the Bears offense with David Montgomery running well um, with them on the cusp of the playoff race in the NFC they're only one game out from a wild card spot 
I think Mitch Trubisky is a really good start this week. I know the defense is good. The game script might not yield itself to a lot of passing with the Vikings liking to run the ball. But I think Mitch Trubisky is going to be able to get it done. I'm looking for, you know, 250 yards and a couple touchdowns. And the good sneaky thing about Mitch Trubisky is his ability to run the ball. Gives you a pretty good rushing floor. Always a threat to run the ball into the end zone as well, which is huge for the quarterback spot, especially in four-point passing touchdown league. So I'm looking for Trubisky to be a QB1 this week. That's top 12 in our terminology. So roll him out there if you're feeling like rolling the dice. Um, and starting Mitch Trubisky here in the semifinals of your league. So you come to this show, you want the hot takes. We got them for got you. Trubisky, plug him in. If you're feeling ballsy, if you're the type of guy who's going to go to the casino and put it all in red, you're you're throwing Mitch Trubisky out there in Week 15. And I mean, how many active a, quarterbacks? How many active quarterbacks have had a 43 point fantasy football outing? Probably can count them on one hand, and one of them is Mitch Trubisky back in 2018. It was six touchdowns in one <laughs> game, not five. Now, that's irrelevant to what's going to happen this week, but it's worth noting the upside has been there for him in the past, and he can get hot. So it's it's all or nothing here in the semifinal, stuff. Anybody who plays DFS, Alex and I are big DFS players. I think Trubisky's an interesting one. Pulled up on DraftKings here 5,500 this week. So I think he's a very interesting I had him last week, and it worked out great with that Allen Robinson stack. So I'll probably be going back to the well here um, in week 15 for for that FanDuel lineup. Yeah, appreciate appreciate that and appreciate Trubisky for what he's doing in those DFS lineups. But my QB start of the week is Taysom Hill against the Kansas City Chiefs. We are in week 15, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Last year, the playoff heroes were Steven Sims and Brashad Perriman. These super deep names, just crazy when you get deep into the season. Teams got to go into their bag and pull out the guys that they signed to be third and four strings on their roster. And one of those guys is Taysom Hill. If you've pulled him off of the waiver wire and been plugging him in, I think you can plug him right back in again against Kansas City. We know what the matchup is going to do. It's the second highest over-under on the week at 51 and a half. And I don't need to say anything about Taysom Hill's rushing baseline, his rushing volume. We know that's what he's going to be. We know from his role as a gadget player, even when Drew Brees is healthy, that he can be an efficient runner. He's going to run the ball a ton in the red zone and on the goal line. But since Brees has been out, I've I've had to eat my words. I've been very impressed by Taysom Hill as a passer. He's completed 72% of his 119 passes this season. He's put up two passing touchdowns each of the last two weeks. And since taking over in week 11, Taysom Hill is the QB6. So unless you have a proven stud like Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, you're plugging in Taysom Hill in a smash matchup, a high upside matchup for Taysom. You know he's going to put points on the board. He's my start of the week in week 15. I love it. And you know how I feel about Taysom Hill. Not necessarily my, my favorite player. As a, as a heavy Alvin Kamara investor, but he's been getting it done. You can't you can't hate the production he is giving you in fantasy football. And assuming Drew Brees doesn't play this week, which it doesn't look like he's going to, I actually love that pick. So, Steph, time for the running back position. I'm going with Cam Akers against the New York Jets. This one should seem obvious, but a lot of people, you know, were kind of burned by Cam Akers early in the year. They drafted him and he did nothing. They're trying to figure out, is this some sort of like mirage? Can I trust him in my playoff matchup? And you absolutely can against the Jets. First of all, the Jets are 22nd against the running back position, giving up 24.6 fantasy points per game in PPR. 
And Cam Akers has been on an absolute tear three weeks ago, had the nine carry for 84 yard and a touchdown performance, was only on the field 27% of the snaps in that game, but was hyper efficient. We finally saw a flash from him. And the next week, Sean McVay rewarded him 62% of snaps the next week, a season high, 21 carries for 72 yards and a touchdown. Also added a, a big reception in that game. And then last week, Thursday Night Football, you could not ignore it. 29 carries. 29, 29 carries. What the hell? For 171 yards, <laughs> 5.9 yards per carry. It seemed like every time they gave Kim Akers the ball, it was ripping off a 15-yard run in that game. Also got three targets, added some work uh, through the air with two catches for 23 yards. So, you know, I think this is a smash play on Cam Akers. I think he's an RB1 this week. And Steph, over the last three weeks, small sample size, but you got to look at these trends and how players are peaking as we move into the fantasy playoffs. Last three weeks, full PPR. Cam Akers is the RB10 just ahead of Alvin Kamara. So if you had any doubts about starting Cam Akers, throw him to the side. No, I'm not saying start him over Alvin Kamara, but you're starting him over just about uh, anybody else that you have any kind of questions about this week. He is a smash play must start option here in week 15. Yeah, I have him as a high-end RB2 this week. Love Cam Akers in this matchup. I, I'm still not over the fact that they gave this man 29 it's carries crazy. in a game. Like, that's Derrick Henry-level volume. I don't think any other running backs see 29 carries in one game. I mean, even in garbage time, they're going to rotate a couple of those guys in. So, it's exciting for Akers. I think there's just so much upside and... Wow, it feels great to have a dynasty roster. I'm going to be playing against you next year <laughs> that has Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Cam Akers. But anyways, moving on here to my running back start of the week. It's Miles Sanders against the Arizona Cardinals. And, you know, we were talking about Miles Sanders last week. We were not in the group. I, I want to set the record straight. We did not say bench Miles Sanders. We said temper expectations. His floor is going to be lower than you expect. And boy, we were on the wrong end of that one. We were talking about his floor. And yeah, that range of outcomes was there, but he absolutely smashed because Jalen Hurts has returned balance to the force for Miles Sanders. <laughs> Week 14 against New Orleans, the number one run defense in the NFL. Sanders played 80% of snaps. So there were there were also questions not only in Miles Sanders, his health, his efficiency. Is he good or not? He's not seeing the volume. Right, are they going to move away from this guy and rotate him in with Boston Scott? Played 80% of snaps in that really tough matchup. Had 14 rushing attempts on the ground for 115 yards, so really efficient there. Caught four of his five targets for 21 yards as well. Had two touchdowns on the ground. An 84-yard breakaway run to the house. And this is just what Miles Sanders done. He's now done this multiple times this season against good run defenses where you can just take a play you know, up the middle at the 20-yard line and take it all the way for a touchdown. He now has Arizona. Should be an easier matchup than New Orleans. They're 12th against the run. Still only one game of sample size of, of tape for them to review on Jalen Hurts. And Miles Sanders is sitting at 5.65 yards per attempt. It's only second in the NFL behind Nick Chubb this season. So you have to start him. He's a do-it-all back on an offense that has a ton of momentum. The Eagles are a whole new offense with Jalen Hurts. And let's admit it, this hurts to say for, you know, as a guy who I, I like Carson Wentz, but the offense is better right now with Jalen Hurts yeah, in that lineup. Absolutely. It's so weird that this is happening, but we drafted Sanders with the upside to be a low-end RB1. I think he's a high-end RB2 in Week 15. Wow. It's a bit of a hot take there. I, you were definitely higher on me than Sanders going into last week. I was willing to bench him if I could, but 
I think we did admit you probably are starting him just because of the volume we expect. And it paid off for you. So I think you can definitely ride that hot hand in a matchup coming up against Arizona. But looking at the wide receiver position, my start of the week, it's my boy. It's T.Y. Hilton against the Houston Texans. Woo! Man, T.Y. Hilton has the Texans number, which is, first of all, the thing I love most about this matchup. And so many times you hear these weird stats that's like, oh, when this player plays this team in their stadium on a Thursday, he does this. And it's like, that's just so ridiculous. But T.Y. Hilton's track record against the Texans is so big. The sample size is absolutely huge, and he roasts them every single time. In 16 games against the Texans, T.Y. Hilton is averaging over five catches, over 96 yards, and over uh, a half touchdown a game. So he's scoring more often than not against Houston. That's like 18 fantasy points a game in his career against the Houston Texans. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, he torched the Texans for like 25 points. And Steph, over the last three games, this is going to blow your mind. Over the last three games, T.Y. Hilton is the wide receiver three behind only Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. So I know he absolutely burned you for you know the vast majority of the season, but you have to ride the hot hand. In that Houston matchup in week 13, eight catches for 110 yards and a touchdown on 11 targets. Followed it up with 86 yards and two touchdowns last week against Vegas. T.Y. Hilton, I think, is a must-start this week. You can't ignore the hot streak that he's on. You can't ignore how often Phillip Rivers is looking his way in the matchup, in the good offense with the Indianapolis Colts, and in the good um, streak that he has going for him and the track record over the course of his career. You got to start T.Y. Hilton this week against the Houston Texans. It took 10 weeks for us to realize that T.Y. Hilton upside – but it finally happened. I'm with you, man. You're, you got to ride the hot hand. It, it, you're going to hate yourself if after three dominant weeks, you don't plug T.Y. Hilton in and he puts up 25 points on your bench. So I'm with you. I think he is a start of the week this week. Uh, but mine is Brandon Ayuk. I'm going back to the well, a guy that I've had on here about three different times throughout the season. Pretty sure I had him as a start of the week last week. And I'm saying plug him in again because Brandon Ayuk is a stud. And and this may be a hot take, but I believe Brandon Ayuk is a better wide receiver than Debo Samuel. Wow. And now with Debo gone, Kittle's gone, Ayuk is going to see tunneled volume to the one millionth degree on this offense. And the efficiency is going to meet up with that volume because that's who Ayuk is as a player. And last week against the Washington football team, Debo left during the second play of the game. He's now going to miss the rest of the year. And in that game, Ayuk saw 16 targets, saw funneled volume. He caught 10 of those targets for 119 yards. And the matchup can't be any better this week against a horrible Cowboys defense. And I could talk to you about, you know, Ayuk's snap share, his red zone volume. But I think you're going to see the results of all of that when you see Ayuk this week in a smash spot, winning people playoff weeks off the waiver wire in a lot of leagues because he's a locked-in wide receiver one for me this week. Man, I actually I Plug love that in. take. And Brandon Ayuk is someone who I did not realize the kind of season he was having, and I didn't realize just how good he's been for fantasy football as well. In terms of points per game, I mean, he's averaging more fantasy points per game in the 10 game he's played than a lot of your you know typical must-start options, more than Terry McLaurin, more than Chris Godwin more than Juju Smith-Schuster. He's 0.1 points behind Robert Woods in terms of points per game. So when Brandon Ayuk is healthy and he is active with or without Debo Samuel in the lineup, 
He has been a must-start option with or without Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been a must-start option regardless of matchup. He's been a must-start option, so I love it. You keep rolling with the guys that are producing for you, even if they don't have the name value. And Brandon Ayuk, I think, is going to have name value very soon. I think he's going to take the league by storm, and we're clearly seeing him emerge as a stud. So I love that pick. And on to the tight end spot. I hate that we even have to do a start of the week at tight end because it just feels terrible (laughs) every week. And speaking of back to the well, I feel like this guy has been my tight end start of the week like eight times this year. But it's Evan Ingram. The volume is just too high to ignore. He's tight end 13 on the year, yet he's third in targets amongst tight ends. And Daniel Jones might not play this week. I'm hopeful that he does. If Daniel Jones doesn't play this week, I'm definitely tempering expectations for Ingram. But I'm under the assumption that Daniel Jones will gut it out and play against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday Night Football. The Browns are 31st against the tight end spot, 16 points allowed to the position per game. And when you look at the volume for Ingram, you look at the matchup, and you look at the athletic profile. We talk about it every single time. He can turn any catch into a 50-yard touchdown. Um, you got to start Evan Ingram, and it doesn't always feel good, and sometimes you get burned. But you get burned starting about 90% of the tight ends in the NFL right now. So I think Evan Ingram has as good a chance as any to get into the end zone, to see significant volume, and I'll play him this week against Cleveland. Yeah, we're blindfolded throwing darts here at the tight end position because there's only about five guys you can start with any sort of consistency or reliability but my tight end start of the week a guy that i was actually able to grab off the waiver wire in our home league which is a 14 team keeper league so i was blown away that he was available on the waiver wire but it makes sense for what he's been doing prior to the last couple weeks and it's jared cook who right along with my Taysom hill start of the week jared cook fits right in with this kansas city matchup they're 25th against the tight end position Already mentioned this game is the second highest over under on the week at 51 and a half. And after a rough stretch, Jared Cook has come alive the last two games. Taysom Hill has been throwing the ball a lot better than many expected, throwing 72% completion percentage and you know throwing the ball more than 30 times in multiple games. Cook has started to benefit from that. Last week, he had a 58% snap share, which is actually one of his highest this season. So the fact that he's even been fantasy relevant on less than 58% of snaps says a lot about Jared Cook, and that snap share has been rising steadily over the last couple of weeks. He's had a few pop games already, and after two weeks of three catches for 30 yards and a touchdown, I'm willing to, to plug him right back in and expect that sort of stat line. That's enough to be fantasy relevant and save people weeks at the tight end spot. We even saw a 20-yard touchdown pass and reception from Jared Cook. He has the size to make plays, especially near the goal line. I'm all in on him at the tight end spot as my start of the week in week 15. I love it. It's a matchup where they should have to throw the ball. And it's crazy. Last year with Jared Cook, we said nine touchdowns on only 43 receptions. That's a touchdown on like every four catches. There's no way he can sustain that. Yet this year, six touchdowns on 28 receptions. So the the touchdown rate (laughs) per catch is actually better. So riddle me that. But I love it. You're rolling the dice there. And he's got a better chance at a touchdown, apparently, than just about anybody else. So love that pick, Steph, with Jared Cook. Hopefully we can get some touchdowns and some dubs here in week 15. Well, I think that wraps it up, Alex, for today's episode. An absolute blast. Week 15, good luck, everyone, in your playoff matchups. If you have those tough start-sit questions, you want some input from us, hit us up in the comments down below. If you like what we do here, please hit that subscribe button on YouTube. A like is always appreciated as well. Get those algorithms pumping. I'd appreciate you all listening and watching, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.